So hello and welcome to our little podcast uh, where the three of us talk about 40k. So to introduce my co-hosts we have Andy and Chris. Uh, Hello. Say hello. Just did. Hello. (laughs) Cool. So um, the reason we're doing this podcast is we're going to talk about the three of us coming back to 40k having not played it for donkeys and all coming back for 8th edition. So, Andy, tell us about yourself. Yo. Tell us what you used to play, when you used to play it, and what made you come back. Um, well, I pretty much played 40k from Rogue Trader um, all the way through to, I think it was 5th edition when I finally rage quit. Uh, and it was a rage quit as well. Um, what, was, what was it that made you rage quit? <laughs> Uh, my mate being a horrible opponent. Um, no, there was just something about it that I really didn't like, and I could never put my finger on it. Um, and also, I lost every single game. That didn't help. So I just, I really got bored of it, and then managed to avoid six. Really, really happy I avoided seventh. Um, and then I started hearing about the new one. Again, I was just doing the whole. I probably won't bother. Then I saw the Primaris models, and I had a little test game, and weirdly, I was hooked after just one game. So, rediscovered the love for 40k, how strange. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I've found a lot of people have said, is just one game, and they're like, yep, yeah, no, this is what I want to play. That's great. Yeah, it's fast, it's fairly simple, um, and it, again, it's fast, it doesn't take up an entire night. Yeah. So, Chris, what about you? Um, so I started in second um, back in 98 that would have been I think um, actually no even earlier so I was 15 when I started played through until 4th uh, 5th edition uh, went off to work at King's Workshop and then after 5 years of that and I've finished the workshop finished with the hobby as well I just needed to take a year or two out um, came back at kind of the end of 5th played one game decided that it wasn't for me after I got tabled in a turn and didn't even have a go and then kind of put them away just painted for a little while and then kind of crept back in slowly at beginning of seventh um just did a little bit just on the painting side just because North Wales does not have much of a 40k community and then um eighth kind of hit and just uh, just timed out nice that we got our own place and painting was easier so got back in from there again really cool um, and for myself, um, I played three games of 40k when I was about 13, so it would have been back end of Rogue Trader, beginning of Second Ed, I think. And my my mates brought in their Space Marines that they had to school, and we sat in one of the classrooms and rolled some dice and had no idea what we were doing. But I was like, oh, this is brilliant. And they all went off and played Necromunda as well, which seemed very yeah. adult. Um, so so I begged my parents to buy me this 40k game and they eventually gave in and went off and bought me uh, Space Marine, the epic box set <laughs> so um, so I turned up at school with all my mates playing their full size Space Marines with my little epic titans and, uh, and, and we, fear my 6 mil yeah I, I remember my, my warlord titan got punched to death by Commissar Yarrick uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Why, I, what these rules wrote by Matt Ward? What's they, going on? They were written by me and my mates. Uh, 
which is about the same level as Rawls writing as Matt Ward, I think. Probably but, more competent. But ever since I and I've loved the whole Warhammer 40k universe ever since, and um, I'd sort of kept up to date with what was going on and read the books. And then about ten years ago, some of my mates got into Warhammer Fantasy, so I got myself some fantasy stuff and played that quite heavily. And that was my sort of re-emergence back into wargaming. Um, got myself a 40k army then, I had some Eldar, and I played a couple of games and thought, nah, don't like this. Yeah. I, I love the background, I love the models, but this game isn't for me. Went up and played War Machine for about six years, which I did fairly competitively. Well, I say competitively, I went to a lot of tournaments and I lost. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I am a terrible It's much like your 40k career though, isn't it? Of just I, going and losing. Yeah, I, I've yet to properly win a game. Uh, so, yeah. But no, um, I... Recently, I, I fell out of love with War Machine. Uh, some friends were playing 30k Horus Heresy stuff, and I, mm. since I've always loved the books and kept up, kept up to date with the fluff, I bought myself a 30k army, and I went to a Throne of Skulls, which Chris went to as well, and um, I just had the best time ever. It was brilliant. Even though I lost all my games, I just thought, no, this is so fun and relaxed. But the, the rule system was impenetrable. I had no idea what I was doing, but I had so much fun anyway. And then when they said eight editions coming out with a simple rule system, I was all over that. Uh, so now I have two armies for eight edition and two Age of Sigma armies. So I went a bit all in uh, quite quickly. Yeah, <clears throat> I think I sold off. I got briefly into War Machine. Uh, it was very briefly. I just couldn't get my head around it. So sold all that off and I also got into X-Wing sold all that off and um, yeah went out and splurged on a lot of Primaris Marines <laughs> so, so that, that probably great. leads us on a bit to what are we working on at the moment so Andy you're still working on your Primaris yeah 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 Primaris Ultramarines because they are the bestest chapter ever <laughs> um, every other chapter wishes they were the Ultramarines apparently um, I had a lot of blue spray left over, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> but I like, I've always kind of liked, it's weird, I liked the Ultramarines and then it got a bit crazy um, with the fluff and the rules, etc. To the point where they became essentially the whipping boy, if you get me meaning. It was cool to hate them. Yeah. Yeah, they, they were the poster boys for long enough that everyone then started hating on them. Exactly kind of that forgot the reason why they were kind of cool in the first place. Yeah, and I've never been bothered about being popular, so I painted the Ultramarines. <laughs> Which is lucky, really. <laughs> it is really lucky, especially with my charisma. It's a dump set. So what, uh, have you got anything on the painting table specifically? or uh, Yeah, at the moment, 20 intercessors that um, I'm trying to get done because I stupidly allowed myself to paint all of the really interesting models first, you know, like Reboot and uh, the Primaris Dread, stuff like that. Mm. And then I thought, I better paint some actual rank and file, which I have never enjoyed doing. Uh, so I'm getting, trying to get them all done out in one block so I don't have to bother doing them again, you know what I mean? So I can move <laughs> on to the fun ones, like the Aggressors and the Reavers. I must admit... I don't know what those words mean. I've seen all models. I know what they do, <laughs> but they're just these but these words that don't really mean anything. I wish they, I, I wish they, like devastators. You know what a devastator does, even even without looking at rules. But an intercessor. What what's an intercessor? <laughs> the new tactical marine. Yeah, I, 
it's, I just wish they'd called it like a Primaris Tactical Marine or something because you know what that is. But nah, that's just I me. know what you mean. No, I know what you mean. I have to actually um, do a bit of research last night <laughs> <laughs> just to remember the names of the squads. It goes back to you're not in that target demographic, Doug. That's all it is. What well, yeah. people would know they're what they're talking you. about. Yeah, yeah. You're not. You're not you're sixteen. Old. You're old of a disposable income. They want your money. They just don't want you to hang around. Okay. Yeah, like me. <laughs> so, Chris, uh, what are you working on? I mean, for, I'll, I'll introduce Chris as the guy who starts a new hobby project every week by the look of it, uh, rushes out to buy everything, sticks it all together, and then changes his mind. So what have you uh, fluttered onto at the moment? <laughs> um, in my hobby, but I'm doing the Death Guard as well at the moment, so... Um, I've got some of the characters and stuff like that sat on the desk at the moment, and then the rest is a cab in the cabinet, all sprayed up, ready to have a bit of texture of coats and start building from there. So I've stuck with it this one. I need a, a painted horse, and since my knights aren't a legal army anymore, I thought I'll just go Death Guard, and I can throw washes on it and have, kind of try some new techniques that I've not done before. So Typhus and some of the some of his chums, basically, at the moment. Yeah, I, I've got Death Guard on the table at the moment, and the models are just absolutely wonderful to paint. They're just, they're really detailed, and there's a lot going on, but they're just set out in such a way that they're just really simple to pick stuff out and paint. And I've just been churning out stuff really, really quickly. So um, I just finished Forty Pox Walkers, um, mm. which was fun. I, the way I did Rose, I, there was a video which Firestorm Games. Um, they posted up showing how to do pox walkers with pretty much just washes and it was super quick and it looks a lot better than if I'd actually tried to paint them myself so that's a really good little video there um, yeah I think it's similar to where Duncan's one isn't it the Warhammer TV one I, I haven't actually watched Duncan's one for it. normally I'm fairly religious at watching Duncan's stuff but I this Firestorm have been doing this series of how to quickly get something on the table and <laughs> So I sort of followed the quickly bit and then added in a bit more details myself afterwards. And it seems to be, it means I get them ready for ready for playing. They look good, but then I can go and add a bit more if I want to afterwards. Which is whereas Duncan stuff, yeah, you, you really have to sort of properly spe- take your time doing it, and there's not so many shortcuts. Yeah, the um, the popular ones is again washes again pretty much. So it is a bit easy on that side. Because again, just picking up the extra details with proper paint afterwards. But obviously, whatever works and gets it on the table, isn't it, at the end of the day? Yeah, totally. I'm not even going to tackle my death guard until my airbrush is um, working again. Yeah, you should do my cheaty way and follow that one. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, brown, I that one that Doug just mentioned, there you go, just using the different washes. Yeah. I saw the um, pictures of the ones that he painted, and yeah, they look really good. So, yeah, it's it's just using a white coat and then just doing layers of washes. So I did a, it's a layer of the skin coloured one, and then over all the sort of lumpy bits, a layer of the green one, and the, the two together just work really well. And I I've, I've actually I found a, I can't claim any credit of thinking of this myself, but a lot of the stuff I've been doing recently has been with washes or glazes. The um the new glaze paints are absolutely wonderful. You all my imperial fists are painted by just spraying and bone doing a little bit of highlighting and bringing them up and then just washing with the yellow a couple of times and it turns the bone into a really nice rich yellow because you do several effectively thin coats 
you get this really smooth move um, sort of layer of yellow. So even on vehicles where it's like really hard to get a nice even layer because it's like three layers of this what glaze. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant. And I saw plasma gun and stuff like that. Just paint them white and then put a glaze over it. Beautiful. Yeah, might give that a go. Yeah. Might sleep on paint, you know. Well, I'm not sure two marines a week is actually, um, you know, fast. Well, you get them in the end. I mean, you're not playing in our tournament, are you, Andy? No, I'm just coming down to heckle. Yeah. So Chris um, has organised us a little section of Warhammer World so we can go and have a friend's um, tournament. So we've got a bunch of people from all over the country coming up and we're going to have a bit of competitive fun. It's you know, Tinder's been alright days ago as well. Um, no, you can turn it by yourself, Andy. It's alright. <laughs> Good, because that was the plan, you know. Yeah. I was going to walk in, scowl, and leave. So, Chris, you've you've actually put together quite a nice little tournament pack. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Um, I, I've literally stolen it from other places. Okay. Place. So <laughs> it was. I, I started off, and then the template kind of got destroyed, and because I'm not tech savvy enough, I thought I'll just copy and paste and just read highlights of bits and change the bits that I wasn't so keen on it and just very quickly threw three quick missions together simplified and away we go from there pretty much so there's 16, 18 people coming down for our little shindig so fingers crossed it should be a laugh apart from Ollie Hathaway's stupid army of a Tyranids and a Baneblade when it shows up so as long as I rig the thing that I don't have to play it it's all alright Is he actually doing that? I think so, yeah. So if he hears this, which he probably will at some point, hi, Holly. Holly. I'll then, link uh, it. Yeah, basically, he'll hear it and <laughs> we'll kind of look on in disgust at, him at um, what he's kind of created and everyone will hope not to play it. Yeah, I, well, I, I think most people are bringing sort of fairly nice lists. I, mean, I know Sam's bringing his white scars, which seem quite cool. Um, there's going to be a lot of Death Guard, at least three of us. Uh, <laughs> probably more. Yeah. I think they're all massively different Death Guard style armies as well, which is quite nice. Just a, it shows the capacity of the codex really. Yeah. The, the cookie cutter, same thing. It, it's been one of the biggest challenges has been actually picking a list because there are so many different ways you can do Death Guard. You could do it with Mortarion, with Poxwalkers, with lots of Plague Marines, with armor, and they all seem to work fine. Yeah, I mean. It, it, I quite like the idea of the walking shield of Poxwalkers, so when I finish my force, I just know there's going to be a lot of those in it. Yeah, that, that's certainly one I'm going for with Mortarion as well, which um, he, he's an odd one, Mortarion, because he's I, a couple of times I've played him now, he absolutely destroys stuff, and it's mainly his Mortal Wounds aura, so when he's up close with something, mm -hmm. he... Um, yeah, you roll a dice, and I think it starts off on a four up. Um, he does D three mortal wounds to, for every unit within a certain range that you roll a four up for. And so he just—I was playing him against some grey knights, and I just ran him into combat. And yeah, he he killed a uh, one of those walker things. What are they? Dread knights. Yeah, Kill, killed, can't talk about them. Yeah, killed one of those and did it, like loads of mortal wounds to all of the because he because he, he had loads of characters. Every single one I was rolling for mortal wounds for. If it was just a unit, then it it like lost one guy, but because they're like five characters, they were all losing two or three mortal wounds a turn, which was bonkers. That's horrendous. <laughs> I know it was great, <laughs> but I mean, everyone says, "Oh, he's going to get shot to death by las cannons," but I don't know. I, I guess if you have a list with 
Gilliman and a load of Laz Cannons, that might be a problem. But I, I, I think people are sort of branching out a bit more, and I, I like the way things are going with just people are coming up with these weird, wacky lists of their own rather than just everyone taking Gilliman Laz Cannons. I, I can confess that I haven't got uh, Maltarian in my list. So we go. That's my my thing. <clears throat> when we go to the tournament, there is no Maltarian. I'm being good. <laughs> Thinking about it, I've only fielded uh, reboot government once. So and he didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you're probably using him wrong. He's not doing anything. Mate, I was using him very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I dread to think. <laughs> uh, I, no, it was um, I was introducing somebody to the game, a Mr. Tony Burzins. You may have heard of him. Yes. And he brought his towel up, and I, all these years of playing, I've never actually faced a towel army before. Just maybe all of my opponents just didn't want to play them. Um, so we put together a quick fifty power um, game just to kind of reintroduce him to forty k again. And I took a totally mental list, it was stupid it was what was it, three dreadnoughts uh, reboot, a tech marine and a librarian <laughs> and I'd lost by turn two good work oh yeah, crisis suits don't seem to like dreadnoughts much <laughs> they kind of kick them a little bit don't they <laughs> I was taking a dreadnought off the table once one a turn pretty much <laughs> It was like, I'm shooting that Dreadnought by Ironclad. I'm shooting that one by Mr. Zombie. It, yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous. It was fun, though. It was um, one game, like, two weeks after the 5th edition was released. Played that one game. Kind of didn't have an army left after my his first turn before I'd even had a go. And then his second turn, he took the rest of my army off and I put my army in the box and didn't touch it again for two and a half years. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fun killers, basically. And I've got rid of that army now. My kind of favourite treasured um, Dark Angels just went off to a mate. I was just in shame. I hung my head in shame because of that. Never um, mind. Try something else. I was just going to start running knights. So don't play knights, it doesn't matter if they die, it's fine because they kill everything else when they do. Uh, you're a terrible person for that list. So oh, it's a completely not legal list anymore, so it's fine. That's the only good thing. <laughs> <laughs> to, to bring us back onto track slightly rather than just slagging off Chris. Um, what, <laughs> I was not. What, what, State what, the truth. Have you been keeping up with the latest codex releases and what's in them and, and what do you think of them, sort of rules wise? Um, short and long answer I might as well get this one out of the way Chris um, no I bought the Space Marines Codex I've not bought any of the others yet but I need to but then again Christmas is coming up you'll go Chris um, I picked up the Marines one that's just died in the normal Marine player I picked up the Mechanicus one as well and there's a small force Mechanicus that will get done eventually just to make the Knights a legal army and then the um, Death Guard ones so this is the three that I've picked up so far they will I like the Death Guard one again as I said there's quite a few different builds um, I've got to confess I'm an ultramarine player as well from Marines so like Andy I've got Gilliman sat there along with everything else but I've not played with them yet they're just a, a cabinet sitting army really and then Mechanicus I think I think they're going to surprise people actually um, we'll see this weekend if you can um, predictions but the 40k first GT is up this weekend Oh, is it this so, weekend? Oh. Yeah, it's this weekend, and it's on it's on Twitch again all weekend. So 
I'll probably sit and watch a good chunk of that. And I think Admech are going to jump up there and surprise people. They're going to be part of Imperial Soup, um, so what people say about that. But I think mm. they've got some really strong stuff that works really well. So Admech and their guard together will probably come. I think they'll certainly be a top 10 army, if not a bit higher, I think. And for yeah. that... For Andy's benefit, uh, Imperial Soup, <laughs> if you don't know what he means by that, is taking basically a bunch of stuff with the Imperial keywords, so maybe in either mixed attachments or with red attachment each, so they can still get their special rules, and just having like Gilliman and a bunch of Laz with uh, some Castellan robots, with uh, Celestine. I mean, luckily the, G- the GT's got this um, free detachments maximum rule which I think is going to have to be one of the sort of standard ways of playing the game now, just because it clamps down on quite a lot of the horrible things. But yeah, so this Imperial Soup concept, and it's the same with Chaos, Chaos Soup. Um, just mixing all of the worst things possible together and uh, having this horrible, not particularly fluffy, but very horrible list. Um, That's fair. I mean, I've kind of figured it out, but it still helps with the explanation for people that might not have. Well, exactly. Um, the, the the current chaos one because I'm being a Death Guard player at the moment. My um, I've been looking up the chaos, and the fact that you can play Magnus with Mortarion with a detachment of oh. ma- Malefic Lords. I don't know if you know what a Malefic Lord is. It's a Forge World model. And I think it's thirty points, and it's mm. a Psyker with Smite. Um, so so you can just pile in all of these Psykers with Smite and. Fill it up. Yeah, that's, that's why nice. somebody was whinging earlier about taking some like five of them. Yeah, you, so you fill up with brimstone horrors, which are like three points a model or something crazy. Take like a yeah. hundred of them, and then you can't because the um, <laughs> malefic lords are characters. You can't target them with shooting until you've killed all hundred brimstones. <laughs> it's actually it's a bonkers. very simple tactic for that. You just don't fight them. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the difference, isn't it? Because one of the things I love about 40k and Games Workshop in general is they've got rules now for playing friendly games and for playing non sort of really horrible hardcore games but they've also got the GT which they brought in which is you know what you're going to face I mean I've got a ticket for a second heat and I absolutely know I'm going to be facing some really horrible lists and I'm going to get get my face smashed in but I, I know that signing up for it and I, but I also know that this friendly tournament we're having it's not going to be like that and both of those are perfectly valid ways to play and people enjoy both ways of doing it i think that's a really good sort of balance they've got going on at the moment i think you'll be surprised on the gt side having done a couple of gts before that yeah the top tables the first round is the throwaway one because everyone's randomly assigned but after that you kind of you end up obviously in your middle ground because of the swiss system they use and you end up with slightly more fluffy or slightly more characterful armies in the middle tables. Um, and I think you kind of you're not going to end up fighting the chunky uh, demon prince um, no. or demon primarch sense. You'll kind of mellow out into the region where you're kind of a bit more comfortable. Yeah, the bottom so, tables. Well, <laughs> I should be nice and not say the bottom tables, but yeah, I, I know my place. <laughs> Actually, it won't be that bad. And even if you kind of race up a little bit, it's your your third game, you've kind of keyed on in a little bit better of how you play in the army because you're a bit more competitive because it's a tournament. But 
you're kind of on a bit of a roll sometimes. Uh, and it's obviously then carry it through onto day two and hopefully you kind of rise up a little bit. But it's as long as you don't get too damn high from the first one, if you come up against something that's really grim, then yeah. um, you kind of do all right. And it's an enjoyable experience as well. So. Well, exactly. I mean, he's, the, the thing I found with 8th edition is even when I'm losing horribly, I'm still having fun. And for someone yeah. that loses horribly a lot, that's an important <laughs> thing to do. But, I mean, other games I've played, I mean, I'll say War Machine, in Infinity, other things like that. If you are losing horribly, you are absolutely miserable and it is no fun whatsoever. But there's just something about 40k where just having just one guy do a stupid suicidal charge or something, it just becomes fun, it becomes sort of epic. And yeah. I, I, I can sit there and lose in 8th edition and have a whale of a time and want to play more, uh, which I think is quite a special thing at the moment. So, and yeah. kind of lucky, really. Well, yeah, very. Um, I'm, I'm the same, okay? I, I tend to lose more than I win, but I don't think I've had a, a bad game of 8th yet. They've all been fun. Yeah. But I could list so many other games that were just an exercise in frustration, you know what I mean? previous editions of 40k um and it just wasn't fun you know you were getting a kick in you're there going now nah, can we just end this now please and you've all you find yourself conceding because you just don't want to drag it out mm. but i think i've conceded once in eighth edition and that's when i realized you know th there was no chance i was going to pull this back <laughs> yeah i think i had two models left i think facing someone like 15 it was like nah i've done <laughs> <laughs> Cool. It's going to take some amazing dice rolling, which ain't part of my um, skill set either. I, I must admit, I've gone out and bought an entire set of new dice for 8th edition after getting fed up of mine. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if that's going to bring me any better luck, but they certainly look cool. It depends <laughs> if they're custom ones and fit your army. You've got to do it that way. For it no, I, I saw someone at Warhammer World playing with these uh, sparkly glitter dice, which sounds very... Um, uh, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very me. But they're, they're, I can't really describe them. They're, they're sort of casino dice, but they're not the huge ones. So they're sort of perfectly nice rollable square dice. Um, yeah. I, I, I quite like rolling them, which... Why on earth will people want to listen to this conversation? Sorry. Uh, let's get back <laughs> on to interesting stuff rather than Doug's yeah, enjoyable give, give dice the, rolling. Give me the measurements of those D6s. I'm intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, did you guys see the picture I posted up earlier? Um, the the new super heavy for Primaris. Yeah. Have they, um, have they caught a name for it yet? No, like, I haven't seen a the... name. It's called a remortgage. <laughs> yeah, that's probably going to be apt. I mean, it it's a four twelve model, and yep. it looks like some sort of what's the name of the flying tank? A repulsor. Yes. Yeah, it looks like a super heavy version of that, which is. Um, it, it's, it's interesting that they've gone and bought out a giant super heavy for Primaris this quickly. I really wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I did wonder because obviously it was a it was a long shot the picture that you posted up, um, and I was trying to decide if the front of it was a repulsor or something else. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's it's got it's certainly got the tracks that are pointing towards the ground like repulsor has. Yeah, the plates. Yeah. But it's um it's absolutely huge. I'm just looking at a picture of it now. It's got two giant las cannon things on the turret. Um, it's got what look like multi melters on the side. 
Um, How much is a Thunderhawk nowadays from Forge World? That's a lot. I, I don't imagine it will cost as much as a Thunderhawk. Right? It's a it chunky piece of kit, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it looks a similar size, and Forge World have never been amazing with their pricing. I'll go with it's probably the same size as a Mastodon, so that's the £320, I think it is, or something around there, so probably about the 300 ish mark I would go for. It's yeah. About the same. Plus it's got 40k written on it, so they'll put the extra tax on it on top. Another 10% basically. So it's would... one of those things that's nice to paint up, nice to display, but you'd probably never use it. And what would be the point of buying it? Well, it's a centerpiece, isn't it? It's if you yeah. if you are someone who's collected the entire chapter, you've painted up your models beautifully, you've got nothing else to buy, and you've got this giant centerpiece in your army. It's going to look brilliant, and it does look absolutely amazing. And when you turn up, people are going to go, ooh, which is a big part of the game. But I. Or mug you and take it off you. Oh yeah, there is that. I mean, or I, is that a geographical difference again? <laughs> yes, we Ooh. down in the south we uh, pat each other on the back and say "good show, old chap." <laughs> oh, can't see that catchy though. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, in Forge World, the, the, the tanks are really nice to build because, as I said, I did thirty k first, and um, one of the nice things about being close to Nottingham, like I am, is being able to go into the Forge World shop whenever I like. Um, in fact, Warhammer World is my lo friendly local gaming shop, so I go in there quite a lot, and it's so tempting. And I think if I was a Space Marine player, I would probably be getting one of these because they are absolutely beautiful. And I don't know anything about the rules, but it just looks so cool. And I w I'm wondering what else we're going to bring out. If they bring out a Death Guard Super Heavy, it might be an expensive uh, Christmas. <laughs> I, th I think we're probably safe from that for now, so you'll be alright. Yeah, probably. I mean, I Depends how popular Death Guard get, and let's be honest, you said there's a tour the Grand Tournament coming up. If Death Guard dominate it, you'll see way more models on Forge World. Uh, honestly, I don't think you'll see Death Guards that high. You might get one, maybe, but I don't think it's a, a no, proper top-end army. It's, it's, it's a mid-tier army. We, it, there's a lot of good stuff, but there's none of this um, crazy shenanigans involving uh, super cheap spammed models, which seems to be this sign of a top tier competitive army like the guard with their um, conscript spam and the like um, yeah I, th I think it's going to be a, if you see it it's going to be a chaos suit type affair again so yeah. very much yeah, case of what else is with it I'm, I'm interested to what What are your thoughts on what we're going to get for the rest of the codexes Who, who's going to get some models or do you reckon everything's just going to come out with a book um, I think we've got Eldar and did they say Tyranids left to kind of go this year? Yeah. Um, so then... I don't think we'll get any new models for those. Um, I've got a feeling we might see a Sisters Army in New Year, I'd... and that'll be the first big thing. I'm hoping so. It, they've got to do it. So many people asking. It's it's got to be it... a big thing that they've uh, been looking into. It was a big thing on uh, the. Warhammer 40,000 kind of internet team posted about um, female representation within the games and I think part of that is just a, a heads up to they are, they did say that they were looking more into it so you might see female guardsmen and you might see more female models within there um, and I think the Sisters of Battle were the uh, when Celestine came out that was kind of a test and yeah, everyone I thought, was crazy I for it and I think 
it's probably about time that we'll we'll see him in the new year, really. It's a beautiful uh, model. Oh, Salas yeah, is one of the nicest models I think they've released in quite a while. I flimsy though. <laughs> I, I I thought the same about uh, Grayfax and because of Grayfax, who was in the first ones, but mm. um, and she's still on my list of models to buy just to paint because I think she is just an absolutely perfectly done witch hunter model. Yeah, and. Yeah. She's she's so well done in that it doesn't really matter if she's female or male. It do, it doesn't define her. She just happens to be a female witch hunter, but it could be a male as well. And I, I just think that not drawing attention to it like that is the perfect way to do it. Just to sort of bring in more female models, but yeah, not, not make a massive song and dance about it, and just sort of yeah. slowly just make make it more representative. And that's a, probably the best way to go about it. I agree. Yeah, Sorry, Chris. Up to you. The other thing is obviously Shades by is coming out in, which comes up on pre order uh, on Saturday. And Wonder Stormcaster now is female. You just have um, Light War model, and there was a female Stormcaster there as well. So it's, it looks like they've definitely taken it on board that female gamers do exist, people do like it, and you're going to see more of, more of them start to come in just because part of it is you're going to see it in a lot of other brands. You know, War Machine have a lot of female troops and characters, but I think. 40k and Games Workshop are starting to catch up on what society is now, which is quite yeah. nice to see, really. Which is nice, and to be honest, let's put it on a basic level here. At least we get more variety in our armies. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Even if you just wanted to boil it down to why do you want to see more female miniatures? Because I'm sick to death of the sausage fest, essentially. Well, so, I don't know if you want to edit that bit, Doug. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how we go. <laughs> Um, yeah, talking... There's a bit too much testosterone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, uh, I know a lot of female gamers who are put off by sort of the whole testosterone level. So the more the more female gamers that sort of feel encouraged to build up armies without having to go off and convert it or buy third party stuff if they want to make a female army, that's yeah. all good in my books. So well done, Games Workshop. Keep and it also, up. think about it. More female war gamers means the blokes might start using deodorant. Win win. <laughs> We can only hope. Um, <laughs> so, speaking about um, Shadespire, um, have you played any Age of Sigmar? I know we're, this is a 40k uh, podcast, but have you played any Age of Sigmar at all, uh, Andy? No. Um, I tried when I first um, got into, well, Games Workshop as a hobby. Um, I tried Warhammer Fantasy, which would have been uh, fourth edition at the time, actually. And I just never found it fun and I've tried a couple of games since and again I've never found it fun so as much as I love fantasy settings I can't seem to enjoy fantasy wargaming I always seem to play science fiction I, and I, I've played some Age of Sigma and I, I've got to say it's a really fun little system it's it's so yeah. much simpler than 40k but you, it doesn't really lose too much of the tactical stuff either um, and I, I must admit I, I was getting quite into it whilst I was waiting for Ape to come out and I, I haven't played a game since but I'm looking forward to <laughs> the hype of Ape dying down a bit and getting back to my Age of Sigmar and um, Shadespire is an interesting thing I don't know if you know about it it's um, basically it's played on a hex- hexagonal board that they right. provide and you can flip the board over and place it in the so you get these two boards and you put them in different places so they join up together so it's a different battleground every game as it were Depend- so you place it in a different way and then you move around this hexagonal board and you it's a bit like um infinity 
where you have certain numbers of actions you can take. So say you've got ten actions for your whole group yeah. of people, and one person can use like all ten of those attacks or actions or whatever, or yeah. or you can split them up so each person can have one each and stuff like that. And they they've actually marketed it, and this is the first time I can remember Games Workshop doing this, but they've marketed it as a competitive game that they want people to play in tournaments and it's been released purely to be competitive which I think uh, is really interesting um, so it'll be yeah, see what happens with that because I know a lot of people are excited about it um, and see if that goes well I might so, give it a go one day but you know it's not. I'll be honest it's not high on my priorities no, that's fair enough um, so what have we got else to talk about oh i tell you what probably is high on your priorities and that's Necromunda yeah, it's. Uh, I played the original and really enjoyed it. Um, but wasn't there a release earlier this year, which they said was Necromunda? It's pretty much not. Yeah, it was using the Necromunda rule set. And I think, again, as Chris said, I think it was probably a little bit of a trial for what the demand was for an actual release of Necromunda. Right. Um, and it was insanely popular sort of when it came out i haven't really seen anyone playing it since but it used yeah. it used standard 40k models so it was like imperial scouts and the like whereas yeah. um this is proper necromunda with the gangers and everything just a re-release probably a re maybe a rewriting of the rules a bit like the blood bowl um one they did last year and um as it was great <laughs> As I said in my introduction, Necromunda is what all the grown-up kids are playing back when I first discovered 40k, <laughs> so I've never played it, but I'm, I'm quite intrigued by... I mean, the models look brilliant, and it it seems like the sort of fun, fun game you can play in a club night, which 40k still being a quick, you know, being a quick game in 8th edition, it still takes all night to play, you know, if you've got a couple of our club night. Whereas Necromunda, yeah, Necromunda I think, you can... It's a, really good sort of quick go in play a game get home in time for Horlicks in front of a TV sort of game so I think I'll definitely be checking that out what about are you interested in that Chris? yeah and again it's been North Wales it comes down to what the gaming community kind of picks up so a lot of my stuff is building and painting at the moment and I say I've played five games in the first couple of weeks after eight came out and not touched it since so yeah it's just been building and converting explains jumping between armies so it's a uh, yeah we'll see there's a shop in town so see if it picks up from there um i think we're more likely to go shadespire than heavy on the necromunda um but they both looked all right and it's i've got a, a necromunda gang sat in front of me on the table at the moment so <laughs> they'll kind of do um because since they're going as my cultists for my death guard and they, they'll do for that as well and then we'll see how it goes I've got an old um, Goliath gang somewhere, but the problem is the miniatures are horrible. They're really just the product of their time. Yeah. Mid nineties, was it? Yeah, definitely. Ooh, yeah. At the time, we all thought they looked great, and then as time's gone on, you go, nah. <laughs> yeah, the main thing that I remember about Necromunda was all of the elaborate scenery, and um, our local gaming shop at the time had these. Like really tall cityscapes of hives and um, I think that's probably going to be quite important about making that game good when they release it if, if they release some decent scenery with it I think that would be a big um, yeah, big part of it 
But that's the thing with Necromunda. It is, to me, it's always been about the scenery. The more scenery on the board, the better the game. Yeah. Um, because it, if you can get it close and personal, as it were, it feels a lot more cutthroat and a lot more fun than taking pot shots at each other from the other side of the board. That's boring. I, I, it's interesting. I was, I was looking at scenery recently because I'm, I'm thinking about doing a uh, Golden Demon entry, and I wanted yeah. to, I want to do a diorama. And as part of that, I'm, I'm sort of planning on building this great hall sort of in a castle. Mm. I thought, oh, I wonder what scenery is out that I can plunder and so just use. And actually, Games Workshop doesn't make much scenery at the moment. Um, there, I mean, there's the woods, which are an ancient kit. There's yeah. the, the really giant sort of over-the-top stuff that came out to, um, in the last edition of Warhammer uh, Fantasy. And there's really not much else, so I'm wondering if with Necromunda release will be a good, a good opportunity, like the Shadow War Armageddon one, where we release some of that scenery. Might be a good opportunity to release some new buildings, you know, the multi-level buildings and the like, which make... Uh, that's what I always think of when I think of Necromunda, anyway. You not thought about scratch building? Well, I, I'll probably end up doing that, but the Games Workshop sculptors get paid well for a reason. <laughs> And I suspect that they're going to be better sculptors than I am. So if they make something that I can sort of t- pinch, then that's always yeah. going to be better than me sort of scratch building. I just yeah. Uh, you think about if you're entering a golden demon and you put down a painted piece that they already like, you know, release. That's your scenery, yeah. Mm. It's it's probably going to be like in a whole block of the exact same model. If you get the meaning, yeah. But if you scratch built something, it instantly stands out and catches their attention, unless it looks really bad, you know. <laughs> Which it probably and then will. it stands out for the wrong reasons. <laughs> One <laughs> of the things you might not have noticed about the new Necromander is it's played on tiles to start off with. It's only in expanded rules that you actually need scenery. Oh right, that's interesting. If you're not, mm-hmm. if you're not clocked that bit, so yeah, there's a yeah. set of tiles, like the space sort of kind of style ones, and you lay them out, and it's kind of. It's that underground aspect of Necromunda, so going through the tunnels rather than climbing all over the uh, ramparts and other kind of scenic bits. But then there's an expanded set of rules coming out, or possibly with it as well, that then allow you to fight on the different levels, like the classic uh, Necromunda. So you don't need big scenery to start off with. That's interesting. And this just goes to show that basically I got back into eight, you know, recently when it came out. I've had no interest really for the last two, three years maybe in GW. I'd pop into the shop to buy paints. So all of these games you're talking about now, and they're going, nope, nope, didn't play that one. Never heard of that one. So, <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit left behind. <laughs> Again, you're not the target demographic. That's not the problem. But I've got money now. This is well, not a lot, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Andy being stuck in the past. We were going to do, do a section of Andy's time warp where he told us all about the good old days. Have you got something to tell us about, Andy? Oh, good old days? <laughs> or the bad old days? Bad old days is probably better. Why? In, in the days when Games Workshop, for some reason, for every single one of their um, customers was a heavy metal fan. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, all Slanesh armies were, well, sex, drugs, rock and roll. Um, did do some great miniatures though, I'll give them that. The old noise marines, the, the ones with the guitars, I don't think they've released any decent ones since then. 
I don't like the new noise marines. I prefer the old ones with the mohawks and the guitars. What can I say? I'm stuck in the past. Um, but here's one you might not know, Doug. Did you know that GW at one point used to put um, records on the front of White Dwarf for free? I've, I've heard about it, but <laughs> what, what, what were any records of? There was one by a, a delightful little folk group called Bolt Thrower. Uh, <laughs> It, it was horrendous, okay? I listened to some real rubbish back then. And you'd get this thing off White Dwarf, you'd put it on the seven-inch single. Now, for the younger listeners, a seven-inch single... <laughs> was, oh, was it seven-inch? Yeah, it was seven-inch, one of the basic 45 RPM. I, I, yeah. Why am I asking you, you young-ish? Uh, it was this really, really floppy horrible record and you had to rest it on an existing record otherwise it wouldn't play and you played it and I think it was one of those where you want to take it off the turntable and fling it across the room <laughs> but you can't because it's that flimsy it just sort of wafts to the ground so you just attack it with a pair of scissors so nobody ever gets to listen to it ever again <laughs> did, did they do this often or was it just a one off I remember at least two occasions that they did this until somebody finally went, maybe this is not the right approach. <laughs> cool. But then again, that was in the days when there were lots of weirdness about GW. Well, maybe future editions of White Dwarf will come with some uh, Spotify download codes or something so we can listen to some terrible metal bands in the future. Or a free U2 album. <laughs> 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 Games Workshop might be evil, but they're not Apple evil. <laughs> Nobody or, evil. Or you too evil. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, mean, I, I, I dare say that in jest, actually. I mean, Games Workshop, I, I've been really impressed by the way they've turned the company around and sort of just become a, a place where I want to go into their shops. I want to buy their products and I want to support them. Because um, I it's just been a real attitude change I mean have you noticed that recently oh yeah yeah it's I think they they did so much wrong in the last few years that it it drove people away including let's be honest myself um, yourself Doug you yeah, know because yeah. um <clears throat> and it just wasn't fun it felt like a vastly overpriced hobby that was stuck in the past it refused to move on. Now, all of a sudden, you've got the new guy in charge. <clears throat> and he seems to have brought back... Obviously, at the end of the day, it's still a business. yeah. Oh. But he seems to have brought back the fun aspect as well. Yeah. You know, where people get together, have a fun game, finish, and then, you know, plan another game. Rather than get together, have a game, throw lead chaos terminators at each other all night because it's just not fun. And then leave and never talk to each other ever again. You know? Yeah, and I, I think fun is one of the unique selling points of Games Workshop. Certainly, having played other war games, yeah, you can have fun while playing them, but yeah. they're, they're either competitive or they're particularly tied to an IP like Star Wars, and you know, they're very strict, you, this, this goes with this, etc. Whereas Games yeah. Workshop, I, there's just something about it that is fun, and I, I agree, they've brought back the fun to the company, and I think that's doing them really well and Chris what you're an ex uh, blue shirt or red shirt or green shirt or whatever it was what, what are your thoughts um, well re remind us again what the question is how terrible is that I got distracted then 
like cleaning the model. <laughs> oh. we're, we're talking about oh. Games Workshop's attitude and how they've become fun again rather than evil. Um, I think it came with um, the change of CEO. So there's a new guy that came in. There's a new guy head of UK sales came in. And I think change came pretty soon after that, to be fair. Um, so they became much more interactive. The Facebook group came back after it was removed. Um, it's much more positive. I think Warhammer TV and its live streams every week has become massively important as well. Um, they go on. Yeah, you've got on the, the live streams, I think they've had 2 million views now or something like that, which Blimey. for like, people playing two, playing Toy Soldiers or talking about Toy Soldiers is absolutely spot on. The share price has gone racing up. They're communicating with their customers better. And if you look after your customers, they'll look after you at the end of the day. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's definitely going the right direction. I think it's just going to go up and up from here as well. Yeah. might get to the old heady days of when Lord of the Rings first came out, the amount of money that they make. Um, which is only good for everybody else because you get new shiny models because of it. And yeah, you do. I think it's it's a very good time to be in the hobby, and that's sort of why we're here and why we're doing this podcast. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably a good point to wrap it up for the night. Um, so, thank you, anyone who's actually downloaded this. Um, I'm off. No to... refunds. Yeah, I'm off to foreign land next week, so I don't know when we'll be able to do another one, but hopefully we'll be able to do one soon. Um, let us know if there's anything you'd like us to talk about. Hopefully, we're hopefully being close to Nottingham, we might be able to snag some decent interviews, which would be nice. Um, and, well, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, thanks for listening, and hope to uh, hear from you again. Cheers. Bye. Thank you very much.